0: Today's guest is Jason Crean, who is the Head of Enterprise Sales UK and Ireland for Zscaler. From his early role as an Enterprise Sales Executive at Gartner, Jason has always been a top performer and consistently broken records in the companies he's worked for. His skill in connecting with C-level buyers and turning business issues into value is exceptional. With no prior experience selling software, He was hired in 2015 by Act Dynamics. His transformation over the time developed him into a notable SaaS sales leader here in the UK. Jason specializes in building world-class sales organizations and is a great believer in vulnerable leadership. Jason has exceptional skills in hiring, developing teams of exceptional standard and introducing proven sales playbooks to enable hyper growth in a company. Zscaler enables the world's leading organizations to securely transform their networks and applications from a mobile cloud-first world. Zscaler internet access and private access creates fast, secure connections between users and applications regardless of device, location, or network. And the service is 100% cloud-delivered, offering simplicity, enhanced security, and an improved user experience. Zscaler operates the world's largest cloud security platform, protecting thousands of enterprises and government agencies from cyber attacks and data loss. Sounds absolutely fascinating, Jason. Today, we are super excited to have you on the podcast, really interested to learn about your experience and the journey that you've been on that puts you in the seat that you're in today. I guess... Um, you've just arrived, so happy to have you here. I mean, what are you most excited about today, Jason? I've got to be honest with you,
1: having the opportunity to speak and philosophise and debate about sales practices, um, get into a bit of my story, share that with other people, maybe even vocalise some things that we can figure out together today. Absolutely. I think it's a cool opportunity to have a conversation and hopefully it will be of benefit uh, or of interest to people in your audience.
0: Really, really excited. I mean, as we we talked about um, previously, you've spoken at one of our um, events in the past, mm-hmm. and I think you've been able to de- demonstrate a, a kind of very clear approach and framework for success. I think what I'm keen to do is kind of understand a bit more about that successful um, sales leader that you are. Sure. Um, so I think, it, you know, if we can... If we can kind of, with some depth and honesty, um, just be open, I think it's going to allow people to get a better understanding of kind of what you're about. So I'm really excited about this. Cool. Um, what's the What's the first thing you wake uh, think about when you wake up?
1: Well, I I was thinking about this, and um, it's part of my New Year's resolution. Like traditionally speaking, I'd wake up at six o'clock, I'd turn over to my left, and I'd pick up my phone and I'd begin work. Um, and I got into this habit of thinking that. My day really then started at six o'clock and I didn't really think about anything else but what was on my phone from maybe 6 a.m. till 11 p.m. at night. Um, And I found that limited my ability to have free time to think, to be creative, to ponder, to not have the phone dictate every single action or every single thing that I needed to do in that moment. Mm. So my New Year's resolution is screen limiters. Where between the hours of 6 and 7.45, the phone is unavailable. So that gives me the freedom to maybe listen to music or listen to podcasts or do some thinking or read a book without being consumed by incoming messages from the US overnight. Um, you know, because it's naturally consuming. If your CEO emails you overnight um, and you get it first thing at six o'clock, you're not gonna be able to think about anything else until you deal with that action. So it limits your ability to maybe do some meditation or do some exercise without being consumed by what's on your phone. So when I wake up in the morning now, I try to think of the things that are more creative, like what's going on with my team? What could I be thinking about today? What could I achieve? Um, Let me do some exercise. Maybe I can get in some meditation before I get to the office. Um, Maybe I can continue with that podcast about some fictional story, about some character that has nothing to do with my day-to-day, you know, kind of rigour and process. Yeah. So that's, it might be contrary to what you were thinking, but I'm trying to get away with between the hours of six and 7.45 being consumed
0: by work. Well, it's interesting. I think interesting knowing you as well. You've even created structure for free time though. (laughs) (laughs) So you've prescribed yourself a break.
1: Oh my God, yeah.
0: But you are actually still thinking about how you're actively going to use that time, which is making you productive. Yeah. I'm keen to understand where maybe that that comes from. You know, when you think about the inspiration um, uh, and motivation you've developed over the years to get you where you are as a top performer, as a sales leader. So where would you like to start with that? Well, where does the original inspiration come from? I guess from a kind of driven for success attitude.
1: Okay, cool. So... My dad's an entrepreneur. He's definitely uh, a clear source of inspiration because um, whenever I was little, um, he would tell me great stories about some of his um, success and failures and adversity that he overcame. And I knew the struggle that he put himself through to provide for our family. And he was really open with that about us. He never kept it private. So an example of that would be, uh, we were in a state school uh, when we were really young and I was getting bullied at the school but um, I must have been about seven years old, and he couldn't afford to send us to private school at the time, uh, but he convinced the bank to put the house up as collateral um, in, case, um, in case it all went wrong, meaning that he prioritised our education and backed himself to figure it out. Um, and he always said to me, well, I knew I wouldn't lose the house. And by providing himself no plan B, he backed himself and put him into himself into an uncomfortable position to make it happen, and that's always been a story that I remember because throughout my career, as you'll see, I'm always putting myself in uncomfortable positions because I feel it's the most, um, the greatest action you can take to self to force yourself to grow. So you know, whenever you enter a new year or a new company or a new career, if you can put yourself in the most uncomfortable position that you feel it forces you to develop because if you don't find a way out of it you fail. I think so. that's
0: that's really inspiring. I mean, thank you for sharing. I think that putting yourself in uncomfortable positions is an, an unnatural choice yeah. for people and you, you know I'm I'm kind of curious actually on that topic around how do you create or seek out uncomfortable positions without putting yourself too much at risk Mm -hmm. you know is there a point in time that you make a decision if you bring it into the context of your career you might take a step up in a promotion you make take on a new territory you might decide to move company Mm -hmm. Um, are you making those choices with challenge in mind or does this just happen um, to be the, the way you design how you think about developing your career Hmm.
1: Okay. So there's probably a skill will element to it. Yeah. So definitely to your point, um, putting yourself in uncomfortable positions without being prepared to take advantage of the opportunity is foolish, mm-hmm. but it starts with a mindset, right? So if I have the mindset that I'm going to take on a big challenge, that has to be the cornerstone because it forces you to go, well, what do I need to be in a position where I can take advantage of that opportunity? So without the will as the basis for wanting to put yourself into uncomfortable positions, it doesn't uh, give yourself the best opportunity to learn the skills necessary to get ready. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes from a desire to, maybe in an early age, to get into the habit of putting yourself in uncomfortable positions and accepting the consequences of those things maybe going wrong. Um, it's a cliched expression, but getting used to failure and adversity and getting comfortable with that is a really good um, thing as a young person to do because you might find that when you need to take it, maybe you're not prepared to do so if you haven't got into the habit of, you know, forcing yourself to fail to some extent.
0: I love that analogy. When you think about um, seeking people to join your team, mm-hmm. what are you looking for in terms of those attributes, characteristics, the way they present themselves?
1: Well, we've as you probably gathered we've come up with a pretty simple formula around that to enable us to scale hiring and get it right. Um, It's not something that I've come up with as an original thought. This is all from learning from other people. But if you think about what made me successful as an individual contributor, it's quite reflective in the traits that we look for. So the first one would be resilience. So as you find uh, in stories of success, those that um, never give up, Um, In the end will be successful. So if they're willing to keep going time after time Eventually, they'll get there so that resilience to wake up every morning in the in the face of adversity and not give up and look in the mirror every day and think You know, I'm gonna get after it again is a really core trait that we look for because undoubtedly it's not going to be easy and if you commit to the learning that we will give you and develop you with You'll come to a point, maybe it's in the first three months or first six months, that you might feel like giving up uh, because it's hard. Um, Nothing that was ever achieved that was great was easy. Mm -hmm. So otherwise everybody would do it. So you will come to that wall where you'll have to make a decision about whether you choose to give up. So the first thing we look for is resilience. Um, Now the second thing we look for, it's all good being really gung-ho and really resilient, but if you're not smart, Um, that makes it more challenging. So we look for really whip-smart individuals who are bright um, and resilient as two cornerstones of what make great hires. The icing on the cake to that is if they're coachable. So if you hire bright people who are super resilient and very open to change, I mean, that's a recipe for brilliance because imagine hiring people that will sit there in front of you and say, I'm never gonna give up and I'm bright, and I will take on board everything that you've got to give. That person's gonna get there in the end. So we always prioritize those three traits as how we hire, and the final one being track record. So that comes at the end, because we believe that if you have those three things, we'll get you the track record. If you're not coming into the building with it, that's okay because we're not looking for finished articles. We're not looking for people that have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. We're actually looking for people with the raw ingredients that we can develop and mold and help. And that's why you often find in the stories of the people that I'm, you would, be, and you would know would be in my network, they've often been plucked from obscurity. They've never sold software before. They've never um, been in an environment in a pre-IPO. But if they're bright, coachable, hungry, resilient, funnily enough, Fast forward two to three years later and you've got a great story.
0: I love that. And I think that's one of the most exciting elements of the technology industry. That If you've got those attributes and you land in the right place, your career, your life experience is accelerated. Totally. Um, thinking about the company you've just joined, what was it about the DNA or what attracted you um, to, to, to join um, Zscaler? So again,
1: um, I've got to be honest with you. It comes down to three types of things that we, that you look for in terms of criteria. Uh, the first one is leadership. Uh, the second one is company and the third one is role. So if you use those three, um, ways of structuring your thought process around a company, it allows you to treat everything in a structured way. So the best thing you can ever do in your life is follow great leadership because um, leaders that are great often make great decisions. So the first thing that you find is they validate a lot of the things that you might not be able to uncover Mm. as an individual because you don't have the experience, you don't have the wisdom, maybe you don't have the insight. So following great leadership that you know who can develop you and make smart decisions and have a track record of making smart decisions is one of the guiding principles of my career. Um, Also, if you have champions, of you as an individual, and you seek those people out, that can be a game changer to accelerate your career. So sticking with people who you feel you have loyalty with, who can develop you, who care about you, not only you, but your family, they care about what you care about, that's that's a, the most important thing. Um, and then you extend that leadership onto the CEO and the founding team and the executives, and you think, well, who is the CEO? Has he done it before? In our case, this is the fifth Company that our CEO has founded and sold. So we're talking about a veteran of Silicon Valley who has done this before. Then you look at the team that he's built around him and thought, not only is he brilliant, but he's able to hire world-class individuals. And you think, wow, this is starting to shape him in terms of leadership. Now, obviously there's more to that, but to accelerate your question, then you look at the company's fundamentals. So you think, well, oh, what's the product market fit? Um, how big's the TAM? How fast are they growing? How fast are they growing in comparison with other companies? And in the case of this company, you're talking about one of the fastest growing companies in history. Um, we're still a young business with a huge way to go and a lot of ambition. And then you think of the role. So what did I love about my last role? Well, I loved that I had the creativity to build something, the, the remit to go out there and craft something based on my own Beliefs and my own value system and my own culture and learning from the process that i developed So I have the opportunity here to build something special to hire great people to build a culture to develop people And to develop people that haven't done this before and have them change their personal lives as a consequence of working for me So all of those things combined it makes it into a bit of a golden ticket opportunity To think why would I say no?
0: I love that. I love how you prioritize the leader you're joining. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we care about as Sales Confidence, as you know, is helping people at each stage of their career develop um, with their performance, their mindset, and their overall well-being. But often, I think, because of the way job boards are designed, sure, you get an experience of looking at roles and yeah. text, and I actually find job boards the most depressing experience. I don't it. even look at them. Okay. Because you seek out leaders, yeah. and one of the things that, as you are aware as well, is you know, we want to elevate those leaders in the network, and that's exactly why we have people like you on board. I guess, is there some examples, if you're comfortable sharing, is there a particular leader or leaders that have inspired you in your career that you've been attracted to on the journey that you've been on?
1: I mean, definitely, and, and in many leaders for different reasons and for different times in my life. Yeah. So if you think of my dad as the first one, maybe, um, even though it's not someone you worked for, it's someone that maybe crafted a lot of the early traits. Mm-hmm. And you, what is a leader? Someone that you hold in high regard, sets a great example, um, lives by his actions, is able to tell you great stories and inspire you and encourage you mm-hmm. and develop you. So fundamentally, maybe one of your parents or your mentors or your teachers at school might be your first leader. Um, Then when I joined um, Gartner, that was the first breeding ground and foundation for me to learn. And there were many people that really inspired me and encouraged me. One of them was a guy called David Hunter, um, who is now running the emerging markets there at Gartner. He's an SVP. But when he hired me, he was a first line manager. And I think he just really... um, just really encouraged my natural traits. Mm-hmm. So maybe I learned a lot of the process stuff at AppDynamics, but he really encouraged that's, that grit and that my, my he said, go after it, Jason, you know, crack on, you know, you've got a lot of talent and gave me that encouragement and confidence. And then when I joined AppDynamics, it was kind of like, wow, I've got this, now insight into a whole group of people that have developed this science around scaling sales and taking what might be seen natural to me, but making it applicable to a global business and being able to measure it, predict it, develop it in other people. And then being able to take those individual contributors and give them a framework to develop other people to be great. Because one of the things about just being naturally good is it's very difficult to pass on to other people. So having the first experience around developing my natural skills and then going into AppDynamics and getting the confidence to put a framework around it, like Jeremy Duggan and Steve McCluskey and Luke Rogers and um, the person that then ended up being a real mentor to me, Ismail Elmas, who then, um, you know, has sort of remained a mentor now I'm working for um, scalar. So again, to my original point, you follow great leadership.
0: Love it. Um doubling down on kind of sales, your approach to sales, is there some fundamental aspects of a sales process that you follow day to day that makes you deliver successful outcomes?
1: Well, yeah, of course. Um, and I don't know how much you want to go into this, but um, we follow a very rigorous sales methodology that is a combination of factors, including medic as the qualification criteria. Uh, The leading indicators as a way to measure and predict activity that each individual needs to do on a weekly basis to ensure that they stay on the right course. Um, And then ultimately the way we engage with customers and add value. So these three things, Mm -hmm. working in combination, allow us to predict and measure activity to qualify where we are in a deal at any one point and make sure we can diagnose risk yeah. effectively and all use a common language within the company to find out you know, what we need to do to be successful. And then ultimately, how do we take those components and not make them all about us, but make them about adding value to the customer? So how do we take those things that we might want from mm. our business, but make sure we make it all about adding value to the customer? And those three things we could spend a day, James, discussing and. And maybe it's of interest to your community to get a deeper insight because it is, I get a sense from my recruitment that everybody's fascinated to learn. Tell me about this process that you guys have. How did you build AppDynamics to be such a successful Mm. company? What was the ingredients? And unfortunately, I'm probably not the best or the original source of that information, but I'm someone that learned it and have put it into practice. And
0: I think that's something, um, as we're developing some of our other service offerings, particularly from the membership side of things, like how can we um, impart that expert knowledge in a way? But for, t- for today, there's some things you mentioned there that we can develop um, going forward. Because of the perspective and the journey that you've been on, do you have a view on where the future of sales is going based on where you're sitting today?
1: I have a couple of thoughts on it, um, but I, I, I wouldn't say that I've given it a huge amount of thought. So I would say around the the part of pipeline generation. Yeah. I think that that has, we've relied on a lot of art there traditionally to get new business meetings. And I think we rely on people's charm and wit and grit to get into companies. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to be much more uh, automated, efficient, predictable mm-hmm. in that um, course of things. And that's why companies like Salesloft and like um, Gong and Outreach and all of these different platforms are, giving people the insight and data to make smarter decisions about how they can pipeline generate and ultimately improve conversion, improve the volume of new business meetings that can be done, which ultimately leads to a higher conversion of deals. So that's a critical area where I think technology is really paying a part in enhancing the art of sales. But I think within the deal progression side of things, I mean, that comes down to people. I think yeah, I don't see really a substitute for brilliance and hiring and development because ultimately we do business with people. And I think that our methodology and the 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 process that we run is probably for the moment, for the foreseeable future, at least as far as I can see, um, the best way of 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 improving our sales execution there.
0: I think there's definitely an opportunity to break that down over time, and I'd, I'd be curious um, to explore that with you. You mentioned earlier about um, being inspired uh, to develop your confidence from the leaders mm-hmm. that you've worked with, or your own father. Um, um, where 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 does that confidence? Where do you develop your confidence um, when you think about what you do? So um, I don't know if you know this about me or. People probably don't, but my background is in
1: the performing arts. So I was um, my uh, my thing as a kid was I was an actor. Um, so I think a lot of the confidence that I've developed um, is through my parents getting me on stage as a kid and pushing me to read the poems at the at the class um, recital and getting mm-hmm. me into drama groups and. Giving me the confidence to to put myself out there uh, ultimately i don't know if i'll hold to this opinion in the future but right now i feel a lot of sales as a performance so uh, when you're meeting with customers ultimately you are trying to inspire them to think differently to change to buy and that all is about connection, and it's about a message, and it's about talking.
0: Well, listen, I, lo- I didn't expect that answer at all, and I think that's interesting. You know, you and I were talking last night in preparation about, you know, the lighter side to Jason. Um, there's a few jokes I could make, I won't. Um, but also, just, just to kind of take a little bit of a pause, you know, what, what, what are the things outside of the profession, you know, what are the things that, like, you get a kick out of, you know, that just, that just, I guess you get, you know, you're someone that's clearly dedicated to your craft, right? And that's made you very successful. Even the way you articulated how you think about, you know, your morning routine now, but kind of away from that, what, what's a lighter side to, to you that, um, you know, you're comfortable sharing um, just from your own kind of life experiences?
1: So, all right. So, I haven't prepared any of that. So that's me, why I asked you. Let me have a think. <laughs> um, so, uh, one thing that people may not know about me is that first and foremost, I'm a family man. Okay. So, I have a two and a half year old boy and a six month old boy, right. Phoenix and Icarus. Um, my, I'm a. When I get out of work, um, I'm a husband and a dad. First and foremost, that's my. I'm that first, and everything else second. So. I mean, you're a father as well, so I guess you would probably think that that's gotta come front and center of everything that you think about. Now, that's not necessarily a good answer to your question about the lighter side, but it's probably an important element of what makes me who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that people probably don't know about me is I lived in Nepal for about a year of my life when I was a younger guy and I was, um, if you were to see my Instagram account, you would see me with long hair, probably down here, (laughs) like in a Buddhist monastery living there. I did some crazy things where I I decided to go and walk for two days out into the mountains on my own with just enough food for 21 days. Um, and I decided to spend 10 days of those fasting where I didn't choose to eat because I was worried that I might use up some of my energy eating versus meditating, which was a bit mad. And in fact, uh, when Steve McCluskey let me to hire me for App dynamics, he said, Jason, I'm unconvinced if you'll be very good at this job, but anyone who's nuts enough to go and spend two <laughs> days walking into the mountains, not eat for 10 days, is probably crazy enough to figure out how to sell software, so we'll give you a shot. So well, that's that, certainly a that, side
0: to me that's- That was a good bet. Yeah, that was,
1: well, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, he would
0: say it was a good bet, I think. <laughs> well, no, that, that's interesting, and I know there's, there's, there's lots more to explore um but it's just it's interesting to hear you know behind all of the successful front that high performers like us have you know there is more elements to us right oh, definitely you know, um and i've enjoyed recently i'm i'm, uh, I'm keen to, again just to go off topic here i've enjoyed recently you've been doing video online yeah um in a kind of a lighter way what, what's inspired you to to kind of put out video at the moment
1: so a couple of things so um again it's some of it's um, I've, I gave this a lot of thought. So the first one would be, um, I think platforms like LinkedIn and other platforms, uh, you're underusing them if you don't think about using them as an opportunity to put yourself out there. Mm. Because let's say you have an expertise and you're coaching your team, what's to say that that expertise and coaching wouldn't benefit um, everybody? I agree. So wrapping up things that you're teaching people and thinking, well, maybe this would be of benefit to other people is a wonderful way of doing it and you have a platform there that's available to you to go and do that so that was a I thought it was a great way to scale um, the coaching that I was giving eight individuals Mm -hmm. and thinking well maybe I could teach hundreds or maybe even thousands of people with some insight there I also more from a business standpoint think it's a great way for people as per following leaders to see a bit of insight into maybe what makes me tick Uh, Would I want to work for that person? Maybe I wouldn't be able to figure that out in one interview, but maybe if there's some content there that helps me figure out what that person's about, it gives them a chance to see the real me. Hence why there's stuff about my family in those videos. And it's really, I'm trying to be as vulnerable as I possibly can to say, not trying to be something I'm not, I'm saying, here I am. Mm. Here I am on full spectrum. Um, Feel free to look at me Mm -hmm. and feel free to make judgment on me and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. So that's another aspect. And the final area would be I think um, I've noticed that the building a content business is actually potentially a really important thing of the next 10, 20 years of our, our lives. We all have an expertise to share in some respects. Maybe it's you can play the piano very well, or maybe you're um, you know, maybe you're great at cooking, or maybe you're great at sales. And why not use that as an opportunity to develop content and because maybe one day that would be valuable. Mm-hmm. So I think those three aspects are probably the guiding principles of me doing it. Um, and um, I'm trying to fit it into my routine yeah. to make it. I'm sure you feel the same. It's not, it's not, there's a discipline around it. Yes. And there's also an authenticity about it. Yeah. Like making sure that when you are ready to deliver a message, it's something you care about. Mm-hmm. And it's not just something you're doing for the sake of it.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, at the beginning of this I kind of opened up about you um, talking about kind of the vulnerability and leadership yeah um, I'm just curious from the perspective of you know the more difficult side of kind of building a career that you have is there something um, challenges or hardship wise that you've had to overcome during your sales career you know that you're comfortable sharing um, that, that might be valuable to the listeners?
1: Yes, so um, tell me, cut me off if, it's, if I'm going in the wrong direction, but um, when I arrived at AppDynamics, I had this belief that I was the finished article. I had, as you said, I broke records at, at Gartner, and I felt to some extent that I knew what was best. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I didn't say that all the time to them, but maybe underneath it all, I felt that. Mm-hmm. Um, That led to me, um, when trying to learn something new, actually not trusting the leaders that I was working for and trying to figure out shortcuts that meant that maybe I knew best. And that led to me being um, unsuccessful. So in year one of AppDynamics, I I did well, but in year two, I actually really um, dropped off uh, my platform, and specifically speaking, Q1 and Q2 of my second year there, I did zero revenue in both quarters wow. off the back of being the rookie of the year. Um, and Amir So everyone had me up at this platform of success and I was going to be the next great story in the company. And suddenly everything started to go wrong. And it, and no one could understand why. They were like, what's happened? And, and it took real uh, introspection and holding on to think, I was under a lot of pressure and the spotlight started to come on quite hot. And I had to really dig deep to think, I'm not going to give up. Um, I have to look at myself first and think, Am I really being coachable? Am I really looking in the mirror and thinking, I am actually being coachable here? Am I dedicating to thinking that they know best? Or am I sitting there thinking, No, I know best? And it turned out as the results started to go away, I started to realize and recognize that I needed to be more coachable. Um, if I hadn't have made that decision, this story could be completely different. I could have had those two quarters of zero, and the next quarter would have been zero, and the next quarter would have been zero, and I wouldn't be working there anymore. But instead, I decided to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up recovering a bit in Q3, but in Q4, I ended up doing a couple of million dollars in, in revenue because of the changes I made halfway through the year, and I said, I'm not gonna let this beat me. Um, but that was really hard. Imagine being on stage, collecting all these awards after your first year and everyone patting you on the back and then having to endure six months of hiding
0: away. I can, I can imagine and I can relate. And I think there's, um, there's a reminder there around um, kind of how you manage yourself when the expectation of yourself is here mm-hmm. and the reality is, is there. And I think that's what creates a lot of additional stress and anxiety in totally. what is a high-pressured environment. Um, but going through that level of introspection that you have and you would have had the support of peers and mentors and seeking out people, um, allowed you to um, find a way through that. Yes. Um, and I think that's that's also a positive to seek support as you need it.
1: I, th- I think it's also your, um, I call my wife my teammate, so like having a good support network at home mm-hmm. is like a really great thing to be able to lean on. And my my wife's like my biggest cheerleader. Like even in the face of me not doing very well, she'll think, she'll think, I'm, you're, you're doing fantastic. Um, and being able to go home and say and get that encouragement and get that, you know, that pat on the back to f- go out the door every day, and um, is a is a is a good asset to have in your in your ring as well in your in your corner.
0: Great, thank you for sharing. And we, so we're coming to the end of the uh, the interview and. Um, as always, you've been open and honest with your story. So thank you for sharing your experiences. Um, just thinking kind of, as we come to the end a little bit about those challenges that you faced, some of your day-to-day rituals, but you know, how do you think about looking after your kind of mental and physical well Um, are there kind of activities that you apply yourself to, to stay, I guess, well and make sure your level of dedication to performance stays sustainable?
1: Okay. So I, um, I definitely try. So I wouldn't say that I've got this nailed yet. Mm -hmm. Um, the, if you were to ask me what is the biggest thing that I think I could change in my life that would have the most dramatic impact on my mental health and my, my success, I would unequivocally say meditation on a daily basis. I'd say, if you could do 20 minutes of meditation each day and find that time to be present, to be quiet, to just um, not be consumed by thoughts. Mm -hmm. You would notice a huge degree of silence in your life that would allow you to feel more settled, less anxious, more comfortable, more confident in front of other people, less monkey mind. So I would say that is the one thing that I'm trying to be as disciplined as possible around. It's not easy when you're consumed by noise. Mm Hence why the screen limiter is a great way of keeping some notifications at bay and just giving yourself some space to actually have the time to do it. it. Mm. Because as high performance, we, we get drawn to fixing things. Um, sometimes we don't put ourselves first. Mm. So that would be one thing. I think I bought a treadmill for the house. So um, now I can just roll out of bed and even in my pajamas, put my trainers on. Um, got no excuse anymore to do that. That's a, that was a great investment um and those would be the two things if i could meditate and get on the treadmill a few times a week and limit my screen time making sure that it doesn't become my whole guiding principle i think that would solve the vast majority of problems
0: great um so as we wrap up and thank you again for being um here today do you have a final parting thought something that you want to share um the listeners impart some final knowledge
1: Um, Again, haven't prepared an answer to that, but I would say that many people that engage with your community are doing so because they're trying to better themselves, and they're trying to seek out people who will help them be successful, and I would tell my passing thought to all those individuals that are trying their best is to um, not be too hard on themselves. I would say that we have, this, we have this real nasty ability to be quite unkind to ourselves whilst we're going through this journey and not giving ourselves a pat on the back and celebrating the small wins along the way. So for example, if you're out there and you're a BDR and you booked a new business meeting today, so what if you didn't, you're not doing million dollar deals? it's all, that's a, that's a small win in your in your world and you should celebrate that and that should be celebrated just as much as anything else. So I would say, be don't focus so much on where you're going but enjoy the activities that you're doing that are making you better each day because if you focus on those behaviors, the outcome will take care of itself. If you focus on the outcome, you'll end up panicking about all of the things that you're not, that you're not doing before you get there. So I would say to everyone which is in your community um, that are probably listening to this podcast because they're trying to seek advice is you're probably 75% of the way there already. And just think of everything in terms of marginal gains. Don't think that you've got like a huge way to go and you should feel anxious about it all the time. Maybe the biggest thing you can do is have confidence maybe confidence would solve a lot of your problems. Let's say they solve 30% of your problems just by being brave enough to pick up the farm. I'd probably say
0: that. I think celebrating the small wins is, is so underrated. Yeah. Um, and I think this has been a, a small win for today. How oh, cool. Uh, in fact, it's been a great win. I think um, it's wonderful to have you on again. Um, here's some more of your expertise. I'm looking forward to sharing more. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thanks Likewise. very much.
1: Thank you.